So obviously want to dig into the box set and the quarantine covers album and the tour and so much to get into. But I kind of wanted to fire up the DeLorean to get started and kind of go back to March of <laughs> 2020 because we were supposed to do this in person. We were like a week or two out from doing this in person. And then we know what happened. The whole world shut down and, and locked down in the current. Yeah, I heard about it. <laughs> So, uh, so take me back to where you were in like March 17th ish of, uh, 2020. Um, I was in a rehearsal room in, in Brazil, really preparing for the North American tour with Crowbar, Sacred Rice and Artist Shock and extremely excited getting a lot of good feedback from the new album that was released in February. And then we started getting calls slowly first from Phil from Sacred Rights saying that he probably wasn't going to be able to do the tour because of all the, the factors surrounding the virus and the fact that there was no vaccine or anything. And he was completely would be on the risk category, high risk category, um, pre-existing conditions and things like that. So that was a, a big bummer. And then I, I kind of felt that, you know, after that, that it, it wasn't going to really happen. The next day after that phone call, we got a, um, we found out that live nation was shutting down all their tours or anything dealing that they were dealing with. And that was a wrap for the tour. So I immediately had a plane to come back to the U S um, because we were all going to go to the U S. So, um, I ended up getting on a plane and I arrived in, in Los Angeles and there was, there were people in hazmat suits um, in the airport and it was surreal. You know, there was a few people I remember coughing in the corner of the airport badly. Um, I was staying away from them. Uh, <laughs> again, this is like early on. So I was just like, I, I hadn't received the amount of information that they were getting in the U S I wasn't really watching so much, TV in Brazil and things like that. So I, I, I only started to watch all the stuff that was really unfolding days before leaving. So it was kind of not, not really days before leaving, but it was actually, um, I wasn't getting as much information. And also there was a, in Brazil, it was the same type of president that was denying any of it really existed. So people were kind of like, eh, you know, going about their, their, their things, their, you know, their day. Um, in Brazil, carnival was happening. And, and I remember just like, oh, my God, like all these people are probably infecting each other. You know, they're outside for a week partying, close proximity, <laughs> everyone right. dancing and everything. And I was like, wow, and drinking, you know, and partying, which is lowering your immune system. I was there with my girlfriend in Brazil, and I was just like, hey, you know, let's stay away from this. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, it looks like chaos is unfolding in, in the U.S. and around the world. And, uh, and yeah, and she, and she had already had it. My girlfriend arrived to Brazil and she already had it. And I'm sure that I had it, too, because we were in the same place. And I had all the symptoms that they were talking about, except for fever. Yeah, things like that. I, so I, I, it didn't hit me as hard. I was fine after three days or so, but I didn't really know if I had it because there's no testing at that time, but for sure she had it. And, um, and she was bad, you know, it was really bad. It was terrifying for five days. She couldn't break the fever, the sweat, everything. But then after that, she was fine. So I got back to the U S and there was this lockdown immediately. 
Um, so that's where I was, you know, like mid-March at home in L.A., and I've been here since. You know, I got I to gotta thank you as a radio guy to you kind of predicting the future with uh, isolation off of Quadro, man, because it was nice to have that record to play during that time. And, and dude, it certainly fit. Like every time I heard lockdown, I kept hearing lock you down for life, your voice in my head every time that word was said. And it was like you were predicting the future, man. It was great. Well, it's funny that you say that because a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, isolate. I get it. And I was like, no, I didn't write that song about anything having to do with the lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wrote it about inhumane procedure of isolation, of putting people in isolation in prisons, in the prison systems. And I, and I, and I felt that the prison system in the U.S. is, is horrendous. And I, and I felt that this is one aspect of it that's, needs to be changed because it doesn't work. It actually creates chaos within the person's mind, putting people in isolation for so long. And it's a a really inhumane way of treating people. I think people had a little taste of it, though, from being locked down in isolation. Of course, it's not the same, you know, having all your your freedoms and liberties to do what you want to do. But it's kind of the principle of being locked down and, and isolated that you go crazy. So imagine being in a jail cell, you know, alone and being treated that way. You know, the person's only going to get worse. You know, it's not a, it goes beyond, you know, rehabilitation just comes to, you know, do you want punishment or do you want rehabilitation or do you want both? And uh, it's definitely an extreme and it, it doesn't work. So that's what I wrote the song about. But a lot of people picked up on it um, as that feeling, you know, like I, I, I think there's certain songs that a lot of people can interpret for themselves. And that's what's really cool about music and art. You know, you can make your own interpretations. Yeah. And I love it. And I love that you're talking about these kind of mental uh, issues. I mean, my dad was a psychologist my whole life growing up. And I think that's something that's oh, com- wow. completely ignored in this country and never talked about. And so I, I love any time anyone can shine a light on mental health because it, it's it's oh, yeah. so underplayed and never talked about. And almost it's still kind of like there's a stigma attached to it, like it's embarrassing or whatever. And I think anything we can do to kind of break that stigma. Absolutely. I think more and more people are talking about it now, but it needs to be talked about much more. I agree 100%. And, and it's something that's coming to, you know, kind of bite everyone in the, in the ass because of not taking care of that, not taking it seriously, because it's, it's overwhelming the amount of people suffering that you see on the streets nowadays, especially with this pandemic. So yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully people pay more attention. Yeah, this pandemic is just gasoline on that fire. But, uh, <laughs> right. you know, let's dig into the box set a little bit. Supple Nation and such a beautiful box set and, and all the LPs and albums and really highlighting your era of the band. And, and here's my kind of question to you, because obviously I'm sure you're feeling nostalgic looking back on this, doing all the press for this. And man, 20 plus years ago. I'm curious, and I'd like kind of specifics, if there's moments looking back on these albums where you're like, oh, I forgot I hit that note or wrote that lyric and not bad, or or where there's some moments where you're like, oh, dude, what were you thinking, man? <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of that. You know, it's it's surprising how fast time can go by, but at the same time, there's so many incredible moments in, in, in the process of creating all these different albums um, and where I was and, 
in those time periods and what was going on in the world, you know, especially when you, how quickly um, things can change, you know, from against, you know, and that, that writing process, I was there for part of it. And just on the aspect of looking at the producer, you know, we had Howard Benson. He just started to, to get into Pro Tools. It didn't even exist really, you know, at that time, like it was wow. something very new and that's how long ago, you know, I'm like, Oh my God, the fact that I sent them a tape, you know, of my demo tape, <laughs> uh, right. or, or you know, that I sent to them to listen, you know, those things, you know, it's just like, Oh my God. Yeah, that's right. Before joining the band, like I knew nothing about Brazil. So I had to go to the library and get a book you know, about Brazil and South America, you know, I had, you know, that's how long ago, like those things start to, to, to come about from going back and looking at this box set. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. You know, like this is insane. <laughs> that's how long ago it was. You know, that cassette demo, was it inside the room when you're hitting play and record at the same time? Or did you actually put the, the recorder <laughs> outside the room? <laughs> that was actually like recorded in the studio, but there were no CDs like burners, or at least I didn't, I mean, I didn't have one. They were super expensive to have something like that at the time. Um, so I was sending a tape. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, man. Being an old school radio guy. I mean, plenty of cassettes, every, every radio show you do. And it was on cassette. <laughs> and, and, you know? and what I received from them, the demo that I got the song that I needed to sing on, came in it was a tape as well you know <laughs> <laughs> tape for a tape you were tape trading in 98 with them or 97 or whenever it was or yeah 97 or yeah 98 maybe yeah it's interesting you know like all those little things you know and then the the different studios that we recorded at the tours that we did the bands that we toured with what was going on socially around us you know the the ideas that we were coming up with, uh, creating like certain albums with a theme and um, the battles that we had of, of just, you know, trying to find proper management, battling with old labels, um, all that stuff, you know, it, it comes out when talking about this box set. I love it, man. And, and it's really cool to kind of get to highlight your era and, you know, I was kind of curious, too, about the uh, the Revolution Songs EP and the covers and all that. That's another really cool thing that you've done during this quote-unquote downtime, if you will. But uh, kind of curious, you know, over the uh, Revolution Songs EP, was there any one of your favorites? Was there any one that, that uh, you're like, yeah. oh, we got to do that one? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was fun to do that EP before we recorded War Back to really loosen us up. And so we wanted to pick artists that really revolutionized the way that we hear music. That's how we have like revolution songs. The fact that we went after a few bands that weren't metal, you know, makes it a lot more interesting. Yeah. And, and, and for me, I'm a huge Masters Attack fan. So that was like a challenge and something that I really felt that would be great addition to put on there and it worked out so well so that's definitely one of my favorite covers the massive attack uh cover of angel and a lot of people didn't realize that we did these covers they weren't able to have access to that album so it's great now that they're able to hear it and have access to it but it was interesting seeing that it, it was heard you know because it was on the, the soundtrack or on the TV show, the following with Kevin Bacon. And oh, um, cool. 
and somebody wrote me out of nowhere like, man, it sounds like Sepultura, and I've heard it on the following, and then I was like, oh, my God, they use it. That's really cool. Yeah, I think Massive Attack Angel is my, my favorite cover on that EP. Wow, yeah, I would have never guessed that, man. I was thinking, you know, Exodus or U2 or something. I didn't expect the Massive Attack. And, and I'm sure did that, putting that together, uh, kind of spark the idea for the, the Sepul Quartra that you did during the quarantine? Well, I think that came about uh, during the, the quarantine because we wanted to really stay connected with, like, fans and and stay together as a band, keeping connected and, and keeping active. So it, it kind of grew into something that we didn't really expect to do an album from that. You know, we were really just going with the flow of like, okay, let's do this every Wednesday. It's a good way to, to keep ideas flowing with the band. And also for the, the fans, you know, we had like an album that was going to be released and we're getting a lot of great feedback and we didn't want to lose that momentum. So we wanted to stay, you know, in the scene. So it grew from us jamming, then to inviting other artists and friends of ours to jam, then to having conversations with people, not only musicians, and then um, adding different nonprofit organizations that needed help to help push them. And it grew into something much bigger. And then once we had all this material, we're like, hey, we can put this out on an album. It would be really cool. We've never done that. And it's a different style or a different version of the songs. Just the feeling of it is different. So it really brought a lot of new life to these songs that we had always done before, but it was great to have that collaboration with other artists. Was there one on there that, that was like your friend, your suggestion, or any fanboy moment, like playing Orgasmatron with Phil Campbell? Was there, what, what's the, what's the oh, one that yeah. stands out? I think uh, one of my suggestions is probably Danko for sure. Um, I, I love his enthusiasm and his energy. And he really knows the history of Sepultura very well because he was a fan before I was in the band. Um, he's followed the history of the band. And I knew that he would be stiked to, to do a cover. And um, it was great to collaborate with him. So he was definitely a, a, a suggestion that I had. And then the others were like brainstorms of people that just, it was really not a puzzle, you know. It was like, oh, yeah, of course, we should have Phil, you know, um, we've been longtime friends with, with him and, and, and touring with Motorhead. And, and so that was great. And so it was like easy really trying to pick out people that we wanted to collaborate with. Um, I'm sure there's, there was room for more, but it really became like challenging, you know, put it together and everything and have it unfold. And it was really great for the pandemic and, and, and it worked out so well. Yeah, I'm sure talking about mental health, I'm sure it gave you something to look forward to, to plan for, you know, to keep keep your mind rolling at the same time. And I love how, like, loose it was, too, like, uh, with the, yeah, Devin, yeah. the Devin Townsend track, Mask, and you hear, you know, a little at the beginning, a little bit at the him, him going, ouch, at the end and stuff. It felt, <laughs> had a real nice, loose feel to it. It was awesome. I mean, that was one of the, my favorite surprises, you know. I wasn't sure if he wanted to do it. I don't, I don't know if he's a fan. I mean, I've met Devin uh, a few times, and, and he's always been super nice, super chill, incredible artist, and I have a lot of respect for him. And, you know, it's just like, hey, let's ask him. Maybe he'll want to do it. And he was like, sure, no problem. And we picked a song that it's not really well-known, and he was like, yeah, no problem. Didn't even question it. Learned the song. 
you know, like immediately, and then just gave his own interpretation, his own personality, which is exactly what we wanted. <laughs> you know, like do whatever you feel you want to do. If you want to sing, great. If you want to, you know, of course you're going to play guitar, but you know, he's like, yeah, I'll do both. And it was like, awesome. And we just, you know, put it in his hands. And I was so excited, you know, when we got it back and then we're all talking, I was like, oh man, this is, this is perfect. You know, this is, I love the looseness, like you said, just like that in the moment, you know, and that's, what's really cool about a lot of those songs. It's just like, yeah, in the moment, let's do it. Not, let's not overthink it, you know, just let it flow naturally. And that's what made it so much fun. Yeah, made it give it like that, that live feeling rather than just here's another yeah. studio album or something like that. And you know, I do want to touch on speaking of the live show, we did touch on it kind of earlier at getting canceled but rescheduled in the same bill intact, which is really cool too. Uh coming up here April the 8th of 2022 at the Blasco Theater in downtown LA. It's the same bill, but it's a different venue. Before it was going to be at the Maya Theater. That's the Maya. right. That's right. That's right. Well, it's still downtown and, uh, L.A. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I, I'm stoked about. I like I like this venue as well. I'm sure a lot of venues are just so difficult to book right now. I, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, I, I really want to get back on the road and get back to what, you know, I'm, I'm used to doing. You know, it's it's been so long that it's hard to even imagine being on stage at this moment. It's just like who was that person when I see old videos and things like that <laughs> or, or tour, I'm like, wow, that, I did that. You know, it's becoming to feel like that in a way. Yeah. Like the video for isolation, like playing in that big stage in, in Brazil, you're uh, like, I did that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like I, we were on stage for like, a, you know, like we did shows for an hour and a half, you know, <laughs> you know, we did touring. We're like four days in a week, five days in a week playing shows. Like, oh, yeah. Have you figured out any sort of uh, regiment or, or workout or any, any sort of routine you got to do before you go back on tour? Because I imagine a lot of it is going to be uh, uh, not only physical, but, but with your breath and everything and, and, you know, keeping your stamina and your, your uh, yeah, your stamina, really, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what comes into play is like a lot of times before touring, you really want to feel the best that you can. At least I do. And I like to, to work out and, 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 you know, weeks before going into a tour. Um, I don't belong to a gym here and I don't have a personal trainer or anything like that, but I just decided that I wanted to really never get so out of shape during the whole lockdown pandemic. I figured that I had, so much time on my hands that it's the perfect opportunity to do the workout that I want to do without any pressure. So for me, you know, what's really good is just like walking, you know, anywhere um, for a certain amount of time. So I was doing that every day, walking four miles in a day and just keeping that routine going and then push-ups and sit-ups and things like that. And then working out at my friend's house, and uh, keeping that going. So I, I've still been doing that and hiking, um, but there's really nothing that can prepare you uh, for stage, only being on stage and doing those shows. Because I've done all those workouts and stuff in the past and gotten on stage and be like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. Like, that's the first. <laughs> and it's just like, it's a different feeling being on stage, you know, a different energy, you know, it's a lot of adrenaline buildup. And uh, you, you're using so much of that, and, and 
So it's really hard to, to train, but, you know, it definitely helps to have that, you know, that, that workout idea in your mind before and, and having your body in shape before it really helps you slip into things more naturally. So after three or four shows, you know, get back on the horse, you have the swing of everything, but I like to do as much workout as I can before tour. So I'm going to definitely, I'm already on that. And I, you know, I look forward to the practice space, you know, that's where a lot will help, you know, to get my voice back into shape is at least a week of going over the set list and um, just letting my voice get adjusted. And getting to play a bunch of tunes off a quadra, which I'm sure you're dying to do. Yeah. I mean, we already have like, I know we were already planning on doing six to seven songs in our set. Um, It's just important that we play all the new songs. And I think it's what people really want to hear. You know, we started doing that years ago. It's like playing newer songs, more new, not being afraid to play new songs. Um, I know like for a lot of bands, I would go and see, they would play like two new songs just because of the response. People don't know the song that well yet, maybe. Um, And they're just like, ah, we better stick to playing, you know, the older stuff. But I found out that it works better for us to play newer songs in the set. It, 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 you get a better reaction. People are like, oh, it's not the same set list. They're anticipating because they've been listening to the new album. They want to hear new songs. So it, it makes sense to play um, as many new songs as we can with the mix of the classics in there. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, too, man, all the artwork on Sepultura is always awesome. But Quadra, dude, that artwork is just that coin is just badass looking i feel like that needs to be like a physical thing like something that you could hang on your wall or something absolutely yeah we thought about that and we would definitely have something either a necklace or a ring or because you know the, the artwork for us is extremely important a lot of those ideas for our artwork come up before the actual music is even done you know we're already we come up with the concept of the album or the idea of the album and then we're already thinking about what type of artists can we get and are they going to be able to grasp the concept that we have in order to do it. So we've been really fortunate to have uh, collaborate with so many great artists that really capture what we're going for and, and to come up with their own original style. And, and, and it's great. You know, I think it's such a big aspect of, of a musician is being able to have that artwork that really matches with the music. Yeah, it's so like identifiable, and how you know, growing up with the Iron Maidens and of the world, you're used to that signature artwork, and it's great that you guys absolutely. You know, I I appreciate all the time. Last couple of things I wanted to hit you with: you've been in Sepultura now. We're talking, you know, twenty plus years, and been Brazilian, been baptized Brazilian. But be honest with me, man. (laughs) When you hear the term football, it's still with a pigskin and not a goalie, right? Absolutely. I was like, yeah, Browns. I've heard of football. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's what I was like, going to say. Come on, Browns. And, but then I got the backlash of Brazilians are just like, look, you know, it's, you call it football and you're not even really playing with your feet. You know, they're like, there's like, it's a silly game with the crazy shaped ball. And, uh, and then they're like, football, like real football is this, you know? And it's like, <laughs> this is the biggest sport in the world. And then I just got, you know, schooled on the facts you know the sport and i became a really big uh soccer fan so but you still got love for the cleveland browns and they're having a pretty good year oh yes <laughs> i always love the browns man i'll never give up on them you know i they're, they're having a decent year 
I, I, I got to see a, a game out here against the Chargers, which um, was a great game, man. It was a great battle. Yeah. Um, even though they lost, but that was, it was great to be there. I hadn't been to a game in such a long time. And, it, and there were so many Browns fans at that, at that game. Like half of the stadium was Browns fans. And it was just awesome to see. And, and uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for them, man. A big game coming up. I'm excited. Yeah, dude. It, <laughs> that's because there's no Charger <laughs> fans in L.A. That You were at SoFi. How bad was the parking, with, was the parking bro? Be honest. <laughs> I didn't drive, so I was like, I don't care. It actually worked out. I thought it would be much worse. Honestly, I've been there. Um, that was my first time going to that stadium, so I was – it wasn't so bad for, for, for us, I thought. And also, I wasn't driving, so I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, like, the last Rams home game of the season. I'm like, oh, parking, I know, is just going to be a nightmare. But, yeah, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Derek, I appreciate all the time. Last thing I got to hit you with, because we're an old-school rock and roll station. We still salute every night, 10 o'clock. We bow down for mandatory Metallica, which you're going to be a part of. And certainly you have a history of playing with Metallica. But I'm kind of curious, what was your introduction to Metallica? When did Who introduced you to him? What album was it? How did you discover Metallica? I, I, I know exactly the, the place, who it was, the album. It's funny that you say that. Um, it was uh, my friend, I'm still childhood friend, one of my best friends, Bill Gill is his name. He came back from like boarding school and he had in his hand Ride the Lightning album. He was like, check this out. And I was like, this is metal. I'm not checking it out. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, just from the name alone, I was like, it's not. And then I was really hardcore into punk rock and, 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 and hardcore. And then he was like, no, you don't understand. These guys even have like misfit stickers on their, uh, you know, on their guitars and, patches and stuff and i was like okay i'm gonna give them a listen since they are that's cool i've never seen metal guys with punk rock you know patches and stickers that was a whole thing for me then as a kid and so uh i put he put that on and, and it i i loved every second of that album from the very beginning to the end it was the best my favorite metallic album and uh it's still today and and i love every song on it it's just perfection man. wow it's it's interesting to hear that because i always thought that the first metallic album kill them all had had some kind of more punkier tunes like whiplash and i figured that would have been a a better introduction it, that, for you that's that's true that's that's very very true because then i had to to do my homework and i went back and i was like okay but you know how it is when you get introduced to the you know first time album of a yep. band and you're just kind of like in love with that that's how it was with me you know like it will always be like even though it's it, you know Kill Mall is fantastic and I love Master and Puppets and and everything like a lot you know but I don't know it's just something with Ride the Lightning whenever I just see the artwork hear it you know when it just comes on it just sends like goosebumps still you know <laughs> can you talk about <laughs> talk a little bit about playing with them i mean you've played with metallic have you ever looked over in the corner and see james watching you do a set and you know yeah. stumble or something <laughs> a few times yeah you know like those guys we did a tour in south america with them which was phenomenal and i think they were going through a lot of stuff at that time with a lot of issues and stuff. So we didn't really get to chat with them that much, but then 
we did some other shows with them in Brazil, and I think they were in a healthier place, and it w- it was fantastic. You know, like we they were hanging out. You know, like James would come by the dressing room, or Kirk, or all those guys. You know, like Robert, and they were just always so friendly and and, and great. And we got to play with them uh, a few other times, like at Rock and Rio in um, Portugal, and that's when we had our. Our, I guess you would say new drummer at the time, Eloy Casagrande, who's <laughs> with us now. And Lars is just like flipping on him, like watching him play like, man, this kid is incredible. That was like an amazing time hanging out with them where they invited us for dinner after the show. And just, I mean, it's just been growing, you know, since then, every time seeing them, it's just better and better, you know, like they're great to tour with, great crew, the professionalism is commendable. You know, it's just incredible machine that they got working for, you know, like that works together. And um, I I love it. You know, those guys are are amazing. I love to see them do well, you know, of course, that's why they rule the world. Now comes the tough part. (laughs) Okay. You got to pick a a Metallica tune to play on mandatory Metallica. Anyone you want. Ooh, man. Jeez. What's it going to be? Of course, it's going to have to be something from Ride the Lightning. Yep, yep. Um, let's see. Maybe Creeping Death. I mean, it's biblical. It's a massive song. <laughs> and I love it. You know, it, it, it doesn't even get better than that. I was like, man, these guys are writing songs about the Bible, man. <laughs> And signature live tune, they, I don't think they ever not play that tune live. I mean, that's that's a staple in the live set to this day. That's true. That's true. Maybe I should pick a, 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 different, <laughs> a different song. No, whatever you Maybe, want. Maybe uh, I'd, I'd rather pick, um, I'm thinking album-wise, you know, like side A, side B. So I'm always like a B-side guy because a lot of times people miss the B-side and it ends up becoming my favorite. Like so bread, maybe um, like bread fan, like bread fan or something like that. That's a that was one of my favorite B sides. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Maybe uh, like trapped under ice because it's like the first when you flip the album over. It's like oh yeah that song comes in. Yeah trapped under ice. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming on live at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.